I'm delighted to say that, as always, the CEO of Aspen Wait, Paul Wait, uh, is uh, live with us and joins me again from his garden with that beautiful backdrop. Hello, Paul. Hello. Hello, young man. Lovely to be here. And uh, I'm delighted also to say uh, that the... Um, do, do you know what, John? I don't think I, I actually asked you for your official title. Maybe you should introduce yourself. Oh, my official... Um, I am the... I think I'm the CEO of Aspen White South. That's, that, he is. That sounds, sounds good to me. Yeah, that sounds right. I'm, so, actu- I'm actually going to say... Uh, so uh, this is this is because I'm the boss, so I can. So uh, I, when I when you put over to me, I'm actually going to say a few words about Jono just to inspire uh, listeners about what is possible. Uh, I think if that's okay. With you. That's okay with me. There's no greater way to start. So uh, Paul, the floor is yours. Yeah. So um, obviously, one of the things we try to do every day is is the main thing is to entertain. Actually, uh, entertain and uh, and genuinely make uh, you listeners feel that the day is better for the experience of us being with you uh if we can achieve some some good and add value then even better so i think um jono's tale is is quite a heartwarming one and uh hopefully inspiring for many of you so when i first met jono he was a um regional executive uh in business development with the government growth accelerator program and um we started working together uh, with him in his capacity um, as the regional manager, introducing uh, clients wherever he could into the R&D tax credit program. And in those days, he, I used to think he was quite officious, actually. I remember him sending me a very pedantic email one day about um, what he could and couldn't do. Uh, but uh, I, I sort of, um, I think Jono's uh, neo-Jamaican uh, spirit sort of shone through and then when the government closed down their uh, their own um, complete business growth service program uh, Jono was obviously made redundant and uh, I phoned him up soon after that and said uh, forgive me if um, this is unwelcome but it seems to me you might like a friend and uh, maybe you would be quite open to having a job offer uh, and fortunately, we got on well enough already for him to say, yes, that would be very nice. And uh, he started uh, not too long after that uh, in, in his capacity originally as effectively uh, national head of Aspen White Business Development. I think that was his official title. And then um, one of the things that's, that, that probably one of the start off with with our um, phenomenal growth over the last three years it, it was quite southern based so if you if you had spoken to me up until about 18 months ago i always i always thought that Ubury was about the epicenter of of, of certainly my world uh Jono lives uh in abingdon which is as you know uh fairly close to that and um and so about a year ago uh i said perhaps a bit more than that uh, we needed to to have a proper uh, pro- needed to have a proper regional accountancy practice uh, presence uh, somewhere around the Newbury area, and 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 truthfully, because of my uh, love of history and Alfred the Great being possibly my all-time historical hero, uh, he was born in Wantage, and uh, the opportunity came along for us to um, to take over a, 
an existing firm in Wantage. And um, because I uh, because I wanted to back Jono, uh, I asked Jono if he would be up to being the chief executive, which is um, quite a big ask for someone with no uh, professional practice experience. And I would say um, from the, the day that he took that over, there were a couple of months of, um, let's call them teething issues. And then ever since, uh, he's been an absolute role model and inspiration of uh, what can happen when you, when, you, when you trust and back a person of great character like Jono has. So um, we're really pleased with how Aspen Wake South is doing. And uh, Jono is, is like um, the heart and soul of Aspen Wake, I would say. Ah, kind words indeed, Paul. Thank you. Yeah, I, I feel like I couldn't move on, uh, Jono, without giving you the opportunity to uh, to talk there because, um, yeah, it was, it was a perfect uh, intro from Paul. Yeah, well, that, uh, Paul tells the story pretty much as it, as it was. And um, it's been nothing but um, excitement and entertainment, I think, for the last <laughs> four, four years or four and a half years or however long it's been. Um, there's, there's never in Aspen weight, one thing people, people who work in Aspen weight will realize this, but for our clients, there's never a dull moment with us. There's always something new, something exciting, something that we're, we're into. If, you know, our, our core business is helping clients access funding, helping clients plan, strategize, that sort of thing. But, um, on the other side of it, the amount of times that I see Paul in particular, uh, getting involved with various clients um, to the point where, you know, we, we don't just get involved as advisors, we get involved. We, we, we end up, you know, becoming shareholders of the business and and helping them with their strategy. And it's it's just very, very exciting. I don't think there's many financial advisory firms uh, in the UK that that actually have the business experience, the practical business experience that we do at Aspen Wade. Um, just before we came live on air, we were talking about various songs that, that we enjoy listening to. <laughs> One song that, um, that I haven't told you about yet, Paul, which you I will definitely send you a link to it. It's, it's by a band, a ska band, funnily enough, in America called The Interrupters. And uh, the song is called My Family. And that's basically what Aspen Wade is all about. We're a big family. The people within Aspen Weight are a big family, and then we have an extended family with all our clients as well. And uh, it's it's just there's always something going on. Some client has a challenge, and the whole of Aspen Weight gets involved. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And nice. and 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 that is, you know, in essence, uh, an extension of that is what we're doing with our live broadcasts now at lunchtime. And we we were talking about this just before we came on about. The, the practical advice that we will give and, and the, the, the issues that we'll talk about that are obviously so important at the moment. But not only that, we're here as a community. We're here as an extension, as Jono said, of that family. And, and we want you to join us every day. We want you to get involved. And we want you to feel part of the Aspen Weight family. And I, and I do this every day. And I, I need to tell you about the, uh, the, the email address, friend at aspen-weight.co.uk. We put this out as a podcast as well. So if you're watching it live, you can listen to it as a podcast. And if you're just listening to this on the podcast, then that's the email address if you need to get in touch with us and uh, do get involved uh, in this debate. You can 
you can get in touch with us live on the live streams you can do it by email and you can be part of the Aspen Waite family we'll talk more about that and more about songs a little bit later I want to start Paul uh, by talking about something that we touched on yesterday and this was um, the business interruption loan and the banks and again there was a there was a statement yesterday that came out that the the, the government were saying that the banks really need to support businesses and they need to stop doing uh, you know the, these various checks and asking for these various guarantees yeah that's an interesting one I mean um, so just to be clear about this the uh, business interruption loan scheme is the uh, as basically the uh, successor scheme to the previous enterprise finance guarantee scheme um, which was in place and I think the the thing which um, which which is fundamental to to this whole understanding of this is uh, you must not think of the business interruption loan scheme as easy money because it isn't. It's not easy, um, and effectively the banks. This is interesting. You know, the government's own criteria. Uh, what the what the the wording is is that the banks can only lend uh, to businesses that have solid cases where they would otherwise have lent. You know, so if, if in the absence of uh, adequate security, they would have normally lent to that business, but because there isn't adequate security, uh, they, they, they wouldn't lend, and therefore the 80% guarantee comes in. Now, one of the things which is, um, uh, you know, as we said, when we were talking a few days ago about this, um, you know, there, there were no there were no answers because uh, the scheme hadn't started and nobody knew actually uh, how banks would operate in and interpret in practice. Whereas I'm pleased to say, because I've been heavily involved in helping John Storer in Scotland with one of his best clients, it's been a pleasure to help. Um, I feel I now have uh, this subject pretty well covered. So one of the things which um, is is a huge handicap in terms of making applications is um, leaving aside the marital home, which the banks have accepted doesn't qualify as an asset. If you have any other personal asset, which uh, you could effectively mortgage or raise money against, they will not lend to you. So that's quite important. So for instance, you know, if someone had, I don't know, let's say they own their own, their, their own business premises personally, and the, even they had a mortgage on it now, but there was there was some loan to value left in it, then the banks would decline. Okay. Yeah. So um, so um, then I think um, what's what's interesting about this, and I still don't have the answers because uh, you know the, if you think about what the scheme itself is called, it's called business interruption. Okay. So if you think about the businesses which are most interrupted, you know they would be. Uh, the retail shops, the pubs, the restaurants, etc., uh, etc. Et Hotels would be a good one. Thinking of my clients, and um, the thing is, you know, uh, if you think about, you know, going back to the original fundamental criteria, which is that the the business has to be able to present a case, which otherwise the bank would have lent against. Well, in some cases, uh, it's probably almost impossible to do that because. You don't know. You don't know when this is going to end. You don't know when your shops going to open again. Uh, in some cases, the market may change forever. Um, you know, maybe uh, I don't know. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure this is a very good example, but maybe you know because the supermarkets are creaming it at the moment. 
uh, that there are products which you know people may have bought from a local shop um, and people get so ingrained in going to the supermarket that they they don't go back to the, the traditional market so um, I think that I think the reality is is that many businesses that probably need the money the most because they're the most interrupted don't even get off the off the grid you know off the, off the starting line and then um and then i think uh, the thing that i've uh, i've uh, i can say with with this is factual now as opposed to me having an opinion so i think the most important thing with anybody listening to this or anyone trying to make a a case to their bank for a business interruption loan is firstly, it would appear that nearly all banks are really taking applications for, from their own customers. So I know for a fact uh, that HSBC and RBS, for instance, won't uh, entertain an application from, say, a Barclays customer. You know, they're just concentrating on their own. And then I think the the most, the single most important thing, or maybe even the most important thing, is don't approach your bank with a weak case out of desperation um and you know i've we've now developed uh, a a a template of questions which um i insist personally now that my clients must uh, answer all the questions before i'm prepared to talk to a bank um and um and my view would be if you can't do that and you can't present a solid business case, which makes it easy for the bank to say yes to you. Then you're never going to get you're never going to get anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. That's some really really good advice for and, and obviously a bit of clarity there of the the understanding of the situation. John, I'm going to go to you just to get your uh, to get your thoughts on it as well. Um, you know, in, in the field for dealing with um, dealing with clients. Yeah. Um, well, uh, another thing is when you do go to the bank, you need a really, really good um, cash flow forecast uh, to, to sort of back your case up. And um, just to, to enhance what Paul was saying, we've, we've got a very, very good uh, model to, to do cash flow forecasts um, as, as accurately and as quickly as we possibly can. So clients out there that are, are looking for that support, um, you know, we well, we've, we've been contacting lots of them. A couple of them have come on board and we've, we've helped them. Um, but I'm pretty sure there's more out there and we're just trying to contact each client individually as fast as we can. Um, over the last two weeks, I think most of the team in our office have been just getting on the phone to clients or emailing them and just saying, do you need any help? If you do, give us a shout because we've got these these models that we can help you with. Sorry, can I, can I just um, say something, Ben? So uh, one of the other key, uh, one of the other key words, which is certainly uh, now the dominating one in my Scottish case, <coughs> is the bank have pretty much said, yes, it's a great business. Um, you haven't yet demonstrated serviceability. Um, so what, what that means is picking up on Jono's point about cash flow is the bank want to be comforted, let's call it that, that the business can afford to pay the loan back. OK, so if we take uh, this this client as a real example, they have existing loans 
which um, involved them paying several thousand pounds a month. And and effectively, RBS are saying um, we would we would like to see, uh, firstly, obviously, the fact that the budget show that the business is profitable when we come out of this. But also, um, can you can you try and negotiate with these other lenders, capital holidays and reconstruction of the debt? So, um, as, as you know, in terms of presenting the effective business case, I would say two two main things, which are always true with lending. Uh, you have to demonstrate a real need. So you wouldn't, you know, if you do a cash flow forecast that says that you need seven grand, don't ask for a hundred grand because you won't get it. Uh, so it has to be a real need, and you have to be able to pay it back. Serviceability. Yeah, I think they're two really good points, and and you know, what, like you, I think you said at the very beginning of the broadcast, Paul. You know, these these are not easy solutions. They're not easy things just to go and grab that the government are handing out. You need to show that, as you said, cash flow forecast. You need to ensure that what you're asking for, it's it's like any other loan that that, that you would that you can actually you know have have a plan in place uh, to get them um one of the things i don't i don't want to spend too much time on this but but we did touch on it yesterday <laughs> darren said um i think it was darren it might have been you i hope i'm not giving him credit for yeah. something that you said but that it would have been easier okay. if hmrc would have offered yeah. these loans um do you think that we, we again we touched on it yesterday but businesses although we're setting out the practical process that you can understand why people are frustrated in a time of great need that actually these these processes are, are quite complex yeah, personally, I, it, it was Darren that said this, and it was a it was a suggestion from Chris Davis, um, actually. And um, my my quick, I, I don't we don't need to spend a lot of time on this because it hasn't happened. Um, I I would have said that if if one was talking about HMRC policing a loan scheme, it would it's, it's it would be a ridiculous proposition. Uh, it couldn't possibly get off the ground. They're not trained or designed to do that. Um, if, if, if you ask me, you know, to spend a couple of minutes coming up with an imaginative program of support, then um, maybe uh, a scheme that could have worked that would be uh, a scheme that could have been policed by the revenue uh, would be something like looking at uh, companies' overall um, tax burden. So that would be, you know, the total pay as you were in NIC, they pay in a year, the total VAT, total total corporation tax. And let's just say, you know, let's just say it's a company turning over, typical company, say 2 million, 2 million uh, turnover, 15 employees, average person's earning 30 grand. Uh, and let's say the business, the business last year paid £200,000 in taxes, just, just, just for the purpose of, of, of illustration then maybe what the government could have done is to say, well, I'll tell you what, we'll lend you 25% of that back to you. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. And that would, have been, that would be quite a practical thing to do because their computer system would have been able to generate that data. Uh, and in effect, it would be, um, I mean, it's not perfect because, um, you know, but it's the case now. I mean, you know, we, we, we're finding, uh, so I'll give you a good example, actually. We've got a... Uh, a partnership we act for in Bridgewater, really nice people. Um, and the last three years, they've made loss, loss, big profit, right? The big profit is greater than 50 grand. And, be and and therefore, because of the criteria that the Chancellor laid down, 
they they are not they are not eligible for any support at all, which is absolutely ludicrous, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Uh, so you know, so um, those, the one thing I did want to I did want to talk about uh, before we leave the subject is going back to the word interruption. So one of the things um, which has come out of again this real case that I've been working on, including early this morning, is uh, the bank have insisted that the business case uh, focuses on the interruption part and have made it quite clear. And uh, I think you know anyone listening to this has to really take this on board. They will not, under any circumstances, provide funding for existing projects, particularly capital projects. So if you said, for instance, um, uh, I'm building a holiday camp or, or something, right? Uh, uh, some sort of holiday lodge or a fishing lake or something, um, and you need a hundred thousand pounds to finish it off, then you won't get the money. Yeah. Right. What what the business interruption loan scheme is for is so uh, a better example would be uh, you you're currently taking twenty five thousand pounds a month in receipts from twenty five thousand pounds a month in receipts from uh, tourists, say. uh, And as a result of the coronavirus, uh, your receipts are now naught. So your business has been interrupted to the point of twenty five thousand pounds a month of lost receipts. So you do your cash flow forecast and say, right, I'm going to assume that this is the case for three months or whatever. Uh, I've lost revenue of seventy-five thousand uh, pounds, and then so so then that will be fine. You see? So do, do you understand the difference? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a it's so, really um, good point to make. Yeah, John, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, sorry, Johnny, I, I'll come to you. No, no, I, I think what Paul said there pretty much clarifies everything, really. Yeah, and I think. Um, th- well, I was, as you know, John, I'm a bit OCD, so I always need to know the answer to everything. You know. Yeah, but that's absolutely. That's good. That's good <laughs> though, because we said at the beginning as well, we want we want to give clarity on these things, and I think that really helps um, for, for somebody watching. I'm sure there will be many people that are actively going through this and and looking at the, the loan scheme and needing to know more information about it. I'm sure there are there are many things that have helped. Uh, on this broadcast but if you've got any other questions as you said get them in across social media we'll get them up on the screen and we'll try our very best to answer them for you uh, that's what we do on the broadcasts right i want to move on now to something again that we touched on this week and it's quite a big one it's about the uh, the expansion of the eco- economy and recovery really and and what that recovery strategy will look like and even though we won't be able to go into too much detail the where i'm thinking on this is We've seen so much from the government on their strategy as far as um, containing the virus. Um, I read today that part of this government in the UK's big strategy now is about the antibody test to allow people to take it to then be able to go back into a working environment so that they know that they're not spreading it and that they've had it, um, which could be a big part of the government's exit plan. Expanding on that, as, as an exit plan and looking at the number of businesses yesterday Paul you said the I think it was 20% uh, of businesses mm-hmm. over the next four weeks would run out of cash is that exit plan viable in, in, in financial terms or is it going to be too late for a lot of people and how does that recovery look if, if that is the government's plan I wasn't entirely sure what the question was there to be fair but because um, um, we were talking about so uh, testing uh, which, which doesn't really which has something to do with ceasing the um, 
the CV epidemic, but it doesn't really have much impact on the recovery. Well, well let me uh, let me just I'll try and uh, a bit more clarity. And maybe they are two different things. But the government's exit strategy seem from this um, this epidemic seems to be that it's the antibody tests that will allow people whenever that comes in in the next few months to actually go back to work. That's that's how we're going to get out of the um, self isolation. Um, but but as far as a strategy around um, keeping the economy going, is that is that going to be good enough? Is that going to be enough for many of these businesses? And if it's not, what kind of um, recovery are we looking at? Ah, well, that's, 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 a, that's a very interesting question, isn't it? So uh, my view would be uh, maybe unpopular. Uh, I would say already that I think uh, the the overall measures in, in place are disproportionate. Um, and there is a very real danger that there will be irreparable damage done to the UK economy. Uh, and in particular, certain sectors, uh, the horticultural sector being a great example. Um, I mean, flowers bring so much joy to, to our lives. And um, to see these pictures of millions of plants rotting uh, in garden centers and growers is um, is very distressing and uh, it, it is quite likely I would say probably more than 50% likely that that sector may never recover so I think it's um, I think it's imperative that the government tries to engineer a solution where there is some sort of return to normality as as soon as can be done without causing a national medical emergency. Yeah, I'm going to pass that straight over to uh, to Jono and uh, on the back of that that question. It's a really good point as well. It's, it's the things like that that you don't you don't think about that you suddenly think, yeah, actually that's a that's a real problem. Yeah, well, um, um, my my take on it is. Uh, you know, at some point, it's got to get back to normality. I'm, I'm actually in agreement with uh, Paul that maybe there, there has been a, a, a bigger, uh, uh, what did, what word did you use there, Paul? Uh, uh, disproportionate. Disproportionate reaction to what's happened, but um, it, it doesn't matter really because what's happened has happened, and there's nothing we can yep. do about that. So um, what, uh, uh, funnily enough, I was having a, um, an appraisal with um, John Holden on Tuesday. And one of the things we discussed was how do we help our clients uh, work out how they're going to go from here? How, what can we do for them to, to take them forward? And one of the subjects that uh, um, I came up with was doing one of exactly like what we're doing right now over Skype and broadcasting it. What I was thinking was um, using Zoom or Skype, um, inviting maybe between eight and 12 clients onto a weekly meeting and, and let them, let these business owners talk, talk between themselves about their concerns and what are their strategies and also, what are their experiences so far in things like business loans, furlonging, et cetera, et cetera. But more importantly, what do they see the future as being? And this, this models that we used um, when I was over at the Growth Accelerator 
thing before Aspen Weight, um, one of which was Vision Orbit, and the other was uh, Business Model Canvas. And they are fantastic. Those two models, I think, would really, really come into their own now, more so than ever before, with uh, assessing the way or, or trying to anticipate the way the new business environment will be. And so one of the things that I really want to set up, and I think it, it, it could either be an Aspen weight thing or it could be reason, regional across the various offices, is having a weekly Zoom meeting with the clients uh, and, um, and giving them this forum. It can last an hour and a half. And, and within that, we, we, we section the meetings up. So first part of the meeting is what are your concerns? Second part of uh, concerns and experiences. Second part of the meeting is what do you think uh, the future could look like? What are the challenges? And then the third part of the meeting is work each week on a different part of that business model canvas. Um, so over a period of, say, two months, you're going to have eight or nine meetings. By the time you get to the end of that, you've actually got a really clear strategy in place going forward. I think that would be really useful. Okay. I mean, I, I, I would say, um, you know, that's quite a specific. Uh, so I, I would probably put that into the camp of what business owners should be doing now. So going back to Ben's point about the recovery, uh, what business owners should be doing now is assuming uh, now that we can, you know, they can they can uh, survive through to uh, the, the, the recovery time period, then people should be taking the time, let's say it's 12 weeks, to take stock, um, all try to, you know, take the time to learn, uh, go on courses, um, you know, become more strategical, look at, look, really work at what we call working on your business, not in your business. So look at, look at all the good things about your business. Uh, but from a, from a fresh perspective, you know, not who are our customers, who could our customers be? What, what yeah. markets could we be in? All those sort of things. I also think, you know, because, you know, I always defer to positive. Um, one of the things that I said to the bank this morning in connection with the Scottish client, uh, and this is this is undoubtedly going to be true, when when the shops open again, it's going to be like bloody Christmas. You know, um, people with leisure businesses will see uh, record months. So, you know, I think I think that if you can survive, then there is going to be i'm not saying it's, it's not going to make up for three months of closure but a lot of businesses will see uh some extremely buoyant months you know perhaps hopefully starting in let's say july or august yeah yeah i, I totally agree and um i think that that that, that again going back to that question which was really difficult on um on on the recovery it's 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 something that i think we could we said yesterday we could sit here and discuss all day on how that looks but it's it's nice to get a, a few points of perhaps where we see businesses now making decisions that are then going to have that positive as, as Paul said impact in the future when we know a little bit more uh, about the recovery and I know we'll come back to this as a subject as well because it because it is fascinating and, and as we, we said again yesterday that you know there's twists and turns there's things that are, that are happening it's a fluid situation um, what I wanted to end today's live broadcast on, because I said this is a podcast as well, and you can listen to it uh, on the iTunes store, on Spotify, you can subscribe to our podcast. If you've not done already, please uh, subscribe to the podcast. You'll get this dropped onto your device 
every single day. On our podcast that we regularly did on a Friday every week, it was um, it was similar, but it was also uh, very positive and very much about music as well. We always chose uh, a song, and I've got two people that are very passionate about their music uh, on right now. I know Paul that you've got a a song for us um, today, and Jono, I'm come to you first. You mentioned music at, at the beginning, and we talked about music, and you recommended a song for people to listen to when you were on last week. It's um. At the moment, it's it's such an important thing when we talk about business to get away and to you know to, to enjoy, especially things like music right now. Yeah, yeah. The song last week was "A uh, Whole Lot of Love" by Alpha Blondie. Hey, it's the Led Zeppelin uh, "Whole Lot of Love" uh, re- yeah. revised version by Alpha Blondie, a reggae version. Pretty cool. Yeah, it was actually one of the first songs on a podcast that Drew and I did. Yeah, I think it was the first, the very first one, the very first podcast. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I just, um, before before we carry on with, sorry, with the music theme, I just want to bring in, uh, I know I've had a comment in, um, Rachel said, uh, now's a great time to do a, a SWOT analysis on your business following on from um, from your point, Paul. You know, we've, we've said this many times on the broadcast over the last uh, week or so, which is, you know, now's the time to take account and have a look at everything and look at all the options and, and look at uh, what the future you know, what lies in the future uh, for you as a business. So just wanted to bring that comment in there and do keep your comments uh, coming in. Uh, right, Paul, let's talk about um, music that we love uh, so much. And um, today's song as well, you've always got such a great story about the the songs that you choose, which is, I think, one of the things that the podcast listeners really um, feel a part of. Yeah, so um, um, as long as it's all right with you, uh, media director, um so one of the things that we uh, I, I'm going to do on my new radio show, which is going to start. So when's that, when's that starting, by the way? So we will have a launch date um, by the end of the week, but we are we are uh, a week or so away from 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 launching and be able to record a show. So Aspawait Radio um, will be born, and on my show, um, I will be doing one of my one of my features will be the A to Z of pop. Can't wait. Uh, so um, I've picked ten. Well, it, 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 Troubles with Z, for instance, there aren't 10 songs that are good enough to uh, to play or probably even exist. So for most letters, I've picked 10 songs. Um, so A, for instance, is quite an easy one to do. Uh, so what I, what I thought I'd start doing is um, to bring some structure into our uh, ramblings is uh, I'd start off with A today. So, Great um, idea, yeah. So today's song is Louis Armstrong, uh, and uh, it's quite it's, it's a little bit influenced by Jono as a character, and sort of thinking about um, you know the world we're living in. It seemed to me the obvious song was "We Have All the Time in the World," uh, because <laughs> at the moment people people have a lot of time. It's um, it's an absolutely phenomenal song. It was uh, Jono might know this. It was. Uh, a song that was featured in one of the James Bond films, um, maybe from Russia, from Russia with love question mark. Anyone listening to this? I'd like to know the answer. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's the one that Diana Rigg was in with, um, George Lazenby where Diana Rigg gets killed at the end after he's married her. Uh, so that song, whatever that song, whatever the James Bond film that George Lazenby was James Bond, 
It's on her. Ma- I've just been told it's on Her Majesty's Secret Service. So there we are. Okay. So this song, this song is featured in on Her Majesty's Secret Service. So um, two things there. Louis Armstrong obviously um, needs Satchmo, as as he was called, um, one of the greatest uh, black soul singers of all time. This song to me is just like um, the best bar of chocolate you would ever eat. <laughs> what a great analogy! Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it is an awesome song. Total class. So uh, I thought that um, uh, the, the punky and, and and heavy stuff like the vines and the hives can can wait. So today uh, we're we're going to play Louis Armstrong. I just because uh, I know we talked about this before we came on, Paul. We, we, this is our our podcast has just gone from being once a week to once a day, and many people, as I said, will be listening on the podcast. And and thank you for doing that. We we've we've got enough in the in the bank of music knowledge to do a, a song every day, haven't we? We've got enough on on the podcast away from the radio station. We've got enough to choose a song every day, haven't we? We could make this a, a main feature. Well, as I said, I've I've already written down two hundred and thirty three songs. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we we can you know yeah yeah we can yeah of course. So so we'll do that now. We'll we'll do a, we'll do a song every day. We'll start it today. So if you are a a regular listener to the podcast, then you're now going to get five songs a week, which which is fantastic. The, the backstory that comes with it, and I could, just can't get that analogy out. The best bar of chocolate that you're ever going to eat. Yep, <laughs> um, that's a great way of describing this this particular tune. That almost brings us to the end today. Thank you so much um, for for watching. Of course, we'll be back tomorrow. I know, uh, Jono, thank you for coming on. I know you're going to be back uh, with us regularly uh, on a Thursday, and I know as well that you're really uh, into your well-being and looking after y- your mind and I'm sure we're going to do some things with you about mental health Paul and I've already said that that's so important to us and that's another part of being here for people and, and what they can do so I'm sure we'll get you involved in, in those things as well cool runnings and <laughs> and Paul uh, as always uh, thank you uh, for your time uh, another broadcast another podcast uh, goes by and um, we'll be back tomorrow uh, for more from 12.30. Keep your messages coming in. If you need to contact us, then it's at friend.aspen-weight.co.uk and we'll be back tomorrow at 12.30. Have a great day and we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you. We have all the time in the world Time enough for life to unfold All the precious things love has in store We have all the love in the world If that's all we have, you will find We need nothing more Every step of the way Will find us With the cares of the world Far behind us We have all the time in the world
just for now Nothing more Nothing less Nothing less Only love 